been in an incredible series called Hope Has a Name, and obviously that name is Jesus. Our key verse that has anchored this has come from Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, and it's one of my favourites. May the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What a great prayer. And I'm praying that over you and your life for 2021. I've entitled this message in the series, I Still Dare to Hope. And they are words spoken by the prophet Jeremiah when he found himself in an extremely difficult, dire situation. Viktor Frankl, who was a survivor of the concentration camps in Germany, said that the human soul can endure almost anything except the loss of hope. I want you to catch that. The human soul can endure almost anything except the loss of hope. When we lose hope, we lose motivation. And that's why I love that God is the God of all hope and he wants us to overflow with hope. Hope is easy the first time you face something difficult or challenging, but it's hard to hope when you have your hopes dashed over and over again or you face repeated disappointment in an area of your life. In fact, the wisdom of God's word says this in Proverbs 13, 12, that hope deferred makes the heart sick. There's something that happens to the human psyche, the human soul, when hope is continually deferred or cut off. As I said, Jeremiah lived in chaotic times, facing the invasions from the Babylonians, chaos, probably seeing friends and family uh, dragged off in chains, maybe even murdered, the city that he loved being destroyed. And yet amid all that chaos, God used him to bring a message of hope. Many of you would be familiar with Jeremiah 29, 11, where God speaking through Jeremiah in all this chaos, in all this pain, says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. The problem is that pain that comes through the loss of hope or repeated disappointment goes very, very deep into the soul. In his response to all the pain that Jeremiah has witnessed and experienced himself, he writes the book of Lamentations. It's kind of like a giant complaint. And there's nothing wrong with it. I think sometimes as modern people, we try to just get over stuff. Sometimes we need to go through a process of lamenting the loss of something that brings us back to hope. There was a show in the U.S. many, many years ago called The Hee Haw Show, and they had the Hee Haw song. And the punchline went like this, gloom, despair, and agony on me, deep, dark depression and excessive misery. If it weren't for my bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. And sometimes we might even feel like that, as funny as those words are. They sometimes reflect what is going on deep down inside. And Jeremiah actually echoes that without the humor. In Lamentations 3 and verse 20, he says, My soul continually remembers it, and it's bowed down with 
in me. The it that he's speaking about is all the pain, all the loss, all the suffering, all the disappointment. He says, my soul continually remembers it. C.S. Lewis, that famous author, after the death of his wife, found himself in a dark, dark depression. And he started writing a journal which he came to discover was his only consolation, his only touch, and these are his words, with sanity. His private world of pain and lament with the desolation that he discovered as he journaled, as he outworked this pain, as he lamented, he slowly rediscovered hope and faith and assurance in God's love. But in his book, he describes his grief and loss with these words. It was the monotonous treadmill march of the mind around one subject. And when we've experienced great loss or great pain, our mind is drawn to that one subject. And those words, the monotonous march around that thing, rehashing it, wishing it could change. Again, Jeremiah, I remember my afflictions, my wondering. The bitterness and the gall, I remember them well, and my soul is downcast within me. Jeremiah speaks of three things. He says, my afflictions, my wandering, and the bitterness and the gall. The word affliction, its root origin comes from a Syrian word connected to Syrian torture. And the Assyrians were brutal. They are notorious for some of the worst tortures inflicted on their enemies and those they conquered. And they would take a person, peg them to the ground, and not with a single boulder, but with small stones, begin to pile them on the body, one stone after the other, after the other, after the other. And initially it seems insignificant, but the accumulative weight of one stone after the other, after the other, would begin to crush, stop circulation, make it difficult to breathe until eventually in agony the person would die unable to breathe, unable to move. And yeah, they're the big boulders that knock us in life. But for many of us, it's not the big thing. It's the little thing after the other, after the other, after the other, the problem after the problem after the problem. And suddenly we feel like we can't breathe. He talks about his wonderings. And sometimes the thing that causes us the loss of hope are not all the problems, but the bad choices we may have made. Maybe willful in rebellion against God, and there's always forgiveness. Remember the story of the prodigal son. But maybe it was just, I thought I was making a good decision, but this is where it led to. The things that I did to myself, my wondering, getting off course from the will and purpose of God. And then he speaks about bitterness and gall. And I think he's speaking about the, the broken, the shattered relationships they are the real pain that we carry in our heart, those damaged relationships that maybe seem beyond repair or maybe the opportunity has passed to fix it. And in total despair, Jeremiah, in his lament, cries out, my soul is bereft of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished and so is my hope from the Lord. I was doing a bit of research on this 
soul pain, this deep pain that people can carry within them and that you may be experiencing. And Dr. Anne Symington, who's a clinical psychologist and has a blog called Open to Hope, says soul pain is a crisis of the human spirit. It is suffering of the deepest kind. It is a plague deep within. Now, she speaks of hope afterwards and other things, but I thought that description was so powerful and echoes so much of what Jeremiah was saying in the book of Lamentations, that this loss of hope is like a deep plague within. And yet in all that pain, Jeremiah suddenly turns. He's remembering the pain and then perhaps prompted by the Holy Spirit, he begins to remember something else. And he brings up the the promise of hope. And many of us can think of hope as pie in the sky, kind of a, a wishful escape, a disconnect from reality. But listen to his words. He's not denying the reality. He's not walking away from it. He says, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope. What inspiring words. Listen to it. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. See, hope is not pretending it didn't happen. It's in the midst of the pain saying, I'm going to do something. I'm going to reach out to God. I still dare to hope. You see, the Bible speaks of faith, hope, and love as eternal qualities. And they're always on the table, God's table, available to you. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12 and 13, all that I know is partial and incomplete. Even at our best, even with all the wisdom and knowledge we have as modern people, our knowledge is incomplete. He says, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last, faith, hope, and love. He says, when all this stuff is gone, when all the things have passed away, when I travel on into eternity, three things will remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these, obviously, is love. I heard somebody describe that those three things, faith, hope, and love, are God's primary colors by which he paints a masterpiece of our life with his grace on it. The primary colors for art, and I am no artist, my finger painting was even atrocious as a child, was is red, yellow, and blue. And from those, you can make all the other colors. It's astonishing. And God's three primary colors to paint the masterpiece of your life of faith, hope, and love. And they are eternal qualities. And I want you to catch this. I got excited about this. Just listen to Paul in Romans chapter 13, Sorry, chapter 11 and verse 36. He says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. For from him and through him and to him. And so from God, faith flows. From God, hope flows. From God, love flows. And it keeps flowing and it flows back to him. But as it flows, it touches our lives. And we're not trying to muster faith. We're not trying to muster the hope. 
It's there. And when you connect with God, you connect with the God of all hope. You connect with something eternal that helps you here in the present. And so Jeremiah says, yet I still dare to hope. Why? When I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. Remember Paul said the one thing that is greatest of all, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest is love. Jeremiah connects his heart in the midst of pain, in the midst of distress to the love of God. I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercy never ceases. Great is his faithfulness and his mercy begins afresh each morning. I want you to hold on to that. Every single day, every single morning, there's fresh hope. There's fresh faith. There's fresh love coming from the presence of God to touch your life, to move you, to paint something beautiful out of the pain, out of the distress, the primary colors of God, faith, hope, and love. And there's something about fresh every morning. There's something about touching a place with God in his presence every single day. And it doesn't have to be long. If it is, it's great. But it's that moment where, God, I just quiet my heart. I open your word. I read a verse. I pick up on the devotion that the church is doing. Whatever it is, I listen to some worship. I sit quietly looking at something of the glory of God's creation and allow the quietness, the still small voice of his presence to speak to me. You see, there are a few things that come out of this. Number one, we need to be in God's presence. Hope, the Bible tells us, is anchored in God's presence to the person of Jesus Christ, who the writer of Hebrews says is our great high priest. Hope is not tied to human effort. Hope is found in the presence of Jesus. Hebrews 6 verse 18 through 19, and I'm reading that from the message. I just love the simplicity and the power of these words. He says, we who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let it go. It is an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right into the presence of God. I want you to catch that. This hope is not hope that you summon, that you create. This is hope that is eternal, hope that is flowing from the God of all hope and becomes an unbreakable spiritual lifeline when you hang on to it with both hands and you find yourself in the presence of God before your great high priest who will give you grace, mercy and strength in a time of need. When we get disappointed, when we get frustrated, when we feel hopeless, there's a secret place in God's presence. Psalm 91 and verse 1 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I want to encourage you, get into God's presence, however that works for you. Secondly, remind yourself of God's faithfulness. Jeremiah remembered the faithful love of God. Yes, in the midst of pain, in the midst of destruction, in the midst of distress, one thing remained, the faithful love of God towards him. God's faithfulness is so powerful. Again, in the book of Hebrews chapter 6, he's touching on something that happened to Abraham. 
And he says that God made a promise and then confirmed the promise with a covenant oath. I wish I had more time to develop this, but literally what God is saying, if I don't keep my promise by taking an oath, he says, I will cease to be God. I don't know if you remember when you were at school, I, I remember we did it, maybe you've all grown out of this, and you tell somebody, oh, I did this on the weekend or this is going to happen, and they go, swear, swear, and then you have to go, I swear my grandmother, or I swear on this or whatever else, that it was true, the thing you were telling them. It's kind of that without the trivialization of God saying, he's saying, if I don't keep my word to you, by oath, I will cease to be God. And he's literally saying God did this so that by two unchangeable things, God's promise and God's oath, covenant oath, and by which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be strongly encouraged. You can grab hold of this hope because it's eternal. It flows from the God of hope and it's sealed by God's promise and God's covenant oath by which it makes it impossible for God to lie. So we need to be in God's presence. We need to cling to God's faithfulness. But the third thing is we need to be in God's word. The discipline of just connecting to the word of God, the promises of God on a daily basis. Don't make it a religious thing so that if you miss a day, you get all guilty. It's not about that. It's about feeding on God's word. Abram faced a situation where he'd been disappointed over and over again. The promise of having a child is now elderly. And Paul in the book of Romans chapter 4 and verse 18 says this, even when there was no reason for hope. You see, he wasn't looking for hope in circumstance. He wasn't looking for hope through human reasoning. His hope was connected to that eternal hope that flows from the God of all hope. So even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept on hoping, believing that he would become a father of many nations. Why? Simply, for God had said to him. He had a word from God. He had a promise from God. He had an, sealed by an oath by which it made it impossible for God to lie. That's the power of hope that comes from the God of all hope. But it comes when you put your trust in him. And that's why you need Jesus. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1 verse 3, that praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. I want you to catch that. A living hope that's secured, that's empowered by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, you need Jesus in your life because he brings real meaning to you. You were created by him and for him. One of the greatest joys is discovering the purpose for which God placed you on the planet. You find that in Jesus. Secondly, you need Jesus in the everyday. He wants to walk, walk with you and talk with you and give you grace and wisdom and strength and insight into all that you're dealing with. But most importantly... You need Jesus for eternity. Jesus said, if you confess me, acknowledge me before people while you're on planet earth, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. Come judgment day, and the Bible says it's appointed unto man, every single person, wants to die and then the judgment. You don't have to be standing there. 
given an explanation of your life, why you lived it independent of God. You want to be standing there with Jesus by your side as your Lord and Saviour, with him celebrating the fact before the throne of God, this is one of our kids, this is my son, this is my daughter, this is one that I shed my blood for, and they received salvation. 